Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys. So today I have Jennifer with me. She's going to share some of her experiences she's had living in the chronic community and kind of go over a couple things she wants to share. Okay. All right. Uh, my name is Jennifer. I, uh, I am a business owner. I currently run Peterson Transcription Editing Services, LLC. Basically, you say it, I type it, and I may edit it if you have a book or dissertation. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. what, uh, what I'd like to discuss with today's episode is um, uh, acute withdrawal from um, commonly prescribed medications. Uh, specifically, I was previously on a very low dose of Xanax and um, a typical dose of Cymbalta. Um, I was prescribed those uh, about, it was, oh, I'm currently 45 and I was about 31 at the time uh, when I was prescribed those medications. And uh, it was because I was, I had two young children. Uh, my son was, uh, he was about two and a half, three years old at the time. And my daughter was still an infant. Uh, I had just stopped weaning her um, from nursing. Um, it was a very stressful time because my son had been recently diagnosed um, as being on the autism spectrum. He also had a very complex medical history. Um, he was diagnosed with, at the time, uh, multiple severe food allergies, uh, a co GI condition called eosinophilic gastroenteritis, and uh, he had a feeding tube placed. Um, I was trying to manage everything being a, a young mom and trying to coordinate services for my son and uh, the constant engagement with my daughter at the time, it was a very high touch environment. Um, I was finding that I was very, uh, I wouldn't say I was that bitch mom, but I was definitely getting prickly and I did not want to um, be that stereotype of a Karen, <laughs> more or less. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, under can understand that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, kind of something to help with the stress, or kind of like mellow you yeah. out a little bit with everything going mellow, on. That's understandable. Yeah, uh, mellow me out, and I want to be able to put my head down and plow forward with all the things I had to do as a mom and advocate. Um, so this was a time where telemedicine was not available in my area and it was just starting out nationwide as far as I knew. Um, I originally looked into therapy like, uh, like CBT, um, but I couldn't find someone who really got me. Um, I identify as being on the autism spectrum. And that was another thing that my son was 
you know, since he was recently diagnosed then, I was starting to find patterns with my own history growing up. It's like, dang, this is really familiar. I couldn't put my finger on it. And it dawned on me a while later. It's like, oh my gosh, this explains a whole lot. <laughs> You're learning stuff about yourself along the way. I know. Yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> back in 94, Asperger's was just a thing that started. So it's like, well, I was in college by then. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as much research or knowledge information. No, it. it was just knowing. <laughs> um, so I spent a couple of months kind of dithering around trying to find what I could do to help out. Um, I wanted a shortcut originally. And so I did opt for medications. They were widely advertised on TV. And um, fun fact, we're like, the U.S. is one of the three nations in the world left who still does commercials for drugs on TV. Um, but anyway, it's funny because uh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yesterday I was talking about it with the uh, the girl that I was interviewing. She's kind of uh -huh. sharing some stuff that the United States is a very reactive country when it comes to healthcare instead of a uh -huh. proactive. Oh, I agree. And I feel that's where a lot of those medications come into play. And that's where a lot of these companies make so much money because they're just mm -hmm. like, yep, you're feeling bad here. Take this. Oh, oh and by goodness, the way, yes. when that causes something, take this as well. So Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the T-shirts that has like, I take this to counteract this and this counteracts these side effects and this and, the, and the, it just goes all the way down to the end of the T-shirt. <laughs> I haven't seen those, but I know yeah. like early colitis that's a hundred percent i was on like 20 different pills yeah it was yeah. one would cause an issue like one would help with colitis but it would cause issue you uh -huh. had to take something else and just it just kept piling up and you're like 20 pills throughout the day right just like this is excessive oh yeah um so i had a an appointment with my OBGYN just as a follow-up and i did mention that i was struggling with um, situational anxiety and depression because of all that was going on with my uh, circumstances at the time. And out of the goodness of his heart, I do believe he was, um, he, you know, he tried to have my best interest in mind. He's like, well, I had a patient recently whose son also was recently diagnosed with autism and um, I decided to put her on a course of Cymbalta to see if that would help. And so far it has, would you be interested? And I thought about it for a moment. It's like, I'd never been on any psychoactive medication. I have a family member who did a round of Prozac and it seemed to help them a lot. Um, and I figured, you know, why not? Let's go with this. I've seen the ads on TV. Um, so yeah, I remember he, the old ads. Oh, that I've definitely yeah, seen them before. Music tone. Yep. Yeah, like, yeah. Usually an older couple too, or mm -hmm. moping through the grocery store. Yeah, or, or with their grandkids and they can't have fun. Yep, I remember I know, all those ads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, uh, you know, gave them the green light and we tried that. Um, it took a couple of weeks for it to upload to my brain. I do remember getting a couple of brain zaps. Um, it was more like a click sensation, but it, I didn't have many other side effects as it was beginning to take effect. 
about a month or so in, I started noticing an improvement in my demeanor. Mm -hmm. And I was certainly in the honeymoon phase of being on that medication. Um, hindsight is always 2020. And... Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like that. Well, when you're feeling so down, or whether yeah. it's, you know, depression, or, you know, physical pain, when you get yeah. that first relief of it, it's like that high. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is great. Like, I feel better. It doesn't hurt anymore. I'm not having these thoughts anymore. It's like that high and you're just like, oh, this is great. Right. That it's just stopped. Yeah. Um, I, with the hindsight coming into play now, I was motivated to do more cooking and, and specifically more home style cooking. And it was anything that converted to sugar once you ate it. Okay. And uh, a lot of people on Cymbalta say, you know, I'm putting on weight all of a sudden. Why is this? And it's like, has your nutrition changed over time or drastically, like within the last month or two? And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you get um, those, those cravings. Yeah. It's like oh, uh, yeah. when I was on prednisone, prednisone mm -hmm. gives you like the munchies. It really yes. does. Mm -hmm. And you just want to eat and eat and eat. And, oh, yeah. Um, I was still I still had not lost all the baby weight yet and so uh I was on Cymbalta for about a total of eight years and I gained an additional 35 pounds from that and so and that was troubling in itself but yet I was still kind of happy and it's like I was rocking my Victorian physique but but it's okay because you know you're you're feeling better so what what does the extra weight matter it's, it's kind of like kind, kind, kind of, of like the prednisone too it's like well your colitis is under control so what's an extra like 40 pounds it's not a big deal i know yeah um about a year into my course on cymbalta i started getting backtracking in terms of uh situational reactivity i was getting uh, you know a little more, bit more gripey around the time of my monthly cycle and so I went back to my doctor. It's like, could you help me out with this? He's like, well, yeah, let's put you on a low dose of Xanax just during your PMS week. I'm like, okay. Oh, that helped. <laughs> I, you know, I with that another being, high. well, it was just more like with how benzodiazepines, you know, treat the situation. You take it and then you feel yourself coming down and chilling and relaxing and it's like is that one does that more like kick in a lot quicker than, than yeah. the other ones okay oh yeah it's definitely it's a different pathway i think okay um but no even a half hour after taking a half a milligram of it uh which was my dose throughout the entire time half i was on okay, that so that's a that's a super low dosage it is and like it was some only, other medications yeah and it was only um to be taken at seven to eight seven to ten days out of the month okay so it was not a constant dose um so while i was both on the i was on the xanax for seven years and then the cymbalta eight and um, was it like seven and eight yeah. like you started one year after the cymbalta or right there, yeah okay yeah so they were mostly at the same time they yeah they were okay um I was, I was pretty happy with that and very content. 
um, fast forward a few years and we ended up moving to a different town in the same region. And so I had not really entertained the thought of going off my medications at that point. In fact, they just became further into the background and I didn't really think much of it. Just part of your routine. It was, yeah. Oh yeah, it was. Um, uh, Around 20, late 2013, 2012 or 2013, basically around that eight year point. I uh, started having panic attacks that occurred out of the blue and never, I've only had like two or three legitimate reasons for having panic attacks in my life. And I had not had any of those reasons when they started occurring again. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I, I, cause I was at a very calm point in my life not a ton of stress you already no. got your routine down everything's going great and then boom just no, random I, panic attacks i i had just started my business within the last year or so that was starting and um i'm like what is this and it was around the summertime and everything just kept amping up and i noticed that it was happening right after i was coming off of one dose of the xanax okay so after like your seven day mm-hmm. usage I, you stopped and then you would kind of feel it interdose withdrawal even at a low dose taken as prescribed um yeah because that's a i mean that's a compared to is. some medication that's a super low dosage it is like half it a is. milligram yeah um so as time went on i started getting more occasions of these panic attacks um would it be something that you would always kind of see after you stopped your seven day and then it would happen or was it would just kind of periodically even while you were on the xanax it was periodically even while i was on um so later that specific summer i had an occasion where have you ever had one of those snafus with your doctor's office and the insurance company where you needed a refill on a prescription, but that didn't happen for at least three or four days and you had to go without. Yeah. So okay. I, I've been on like a lot of prednisone and I've been on high dosages of it. And I've yeah. run into that with prednisone and the, mm-hmm. like the withdrawal symptoms on those suck yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, that happened with the Cymbalta. Okay. And, uh, that was, it threw me into immediate cold Turkey withdrawal. Um, the half-life on Cymbalta is approximately 12 hours. So even though it takes so long to get into your system, because you said it took a couple mm-hmm. weeks to feel it, it, it yeah. stops that quickly. That's... Yeah, yeah it, it sucks. <laughs> no, I, I, I guess prednisone is kind of like that. It, prednisone I, yeah. takes a little, it's a little bit faster to get in. It's usually a couple of days you start feeling it, but you do, right. you do start to feel it even if you go like a day or you yeah. forget to take it in the morning. Mm-hmm. something like that if you're on the high dosages lower it's not as bad but yeah i could feel it um if i forgot to take a dose in the morning which was a very rare occasion mm-hmm. i would start feeling kind of i guess my my visual perception and would be kind of squishy if i turned my head too fast okay. it was kind of weird yeah yeah 
uh, a little bit of neurological side effects going on. Um, kind of like you're dizzy, but not feeling yeah, the dizziness, I guess. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Um, but after the third or fourth day without the refill on the Cymbalta, it, I started getting swelling in my ankles. Like when I, like I did when I was in my ninth month of pregnancy with both kids. Okay. Um, just very, an interesting side very, effect. yeah, very lightheaded, very, I felt like I was on, I, I was just very keyed up. Like what, what's going on? Because I, I know with the prednisone, whenever I'd feel some of those withdrawal symptoms, it was usually my skin would itch, like uh -huh. crazy itching. Um, I'd usually have mood swings, so I'd be very snappy. Yeah. And then um, I would notice some dizziness sometimes. Mm -hmm. Those are specifically to the prednisone, but the, yeah. it's interesting to have like swelling, yeah. the vision blur. Mm -hmm. So everything came to a head um, around that Christmas that year because in from thanksgiving until christmas i pretty much had been going through nearly a continuous panic attack um both medications were kind of pooping out on me and i was at a crossroads where i didn't know what this phenomenon was i didn't know that this was actually do you think it was your body just getting used to the medications and yeah, you just used on I, such a high yeah. dose, such a specific dosage? Yeah, I was on 60 milligrams of Cymbalta and that dose never changed throughout the entire eight years I was on it. Mm -hmm. I, um, I asked that because I take yeah. Remicade every six weeks now. Okay. Um, I've been on Remicade for a long time. In the first like three years, I took it every eight weeks. And okay. eight weeks kind of slowed down, stopped working. So instead of upping the dosage, I go to every six weeks now. It's just, yep. I guess my body's burning through it faster than it normally does or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was at a crossroads where I could either ask to increase the Cymbalta and or the Xanax versus make the hard decision to, uh, to separate myself from them. Okay. Did you ever have a conversation with your doctor about like other options that do the same thing or? No. No. Okay. Um, when we moved to our current location, I would, had a new GP and he was close to retirement. Unfortunately, I told him about what was going on. Um, and he's like, oh, actually, I want to backtrack a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. It was Christmas Day that year that. Um, I had just gotten my it together enough where the kids could open up their Christmas gifts that morning. And, and this was, was while you're still on, you're like Cymbalta and yeah, okay. it, yeah, and the Xanax. And it's just like I, I looked online just to see if there was anything going on. And my husband looked at me and he's like, you know, if you're anybody else, I would think that you were coming off of a hard drug. God, I, that, yeah, that's like one thing when you start learning about the drugs that you're on and the withdrawal symptoms, uh -huh. like you have a whole different view on drug oh. addicts. Yes, you because do. at the end of the day, we're no different from drug addicts. It's just we have a prescription for it. But it's it's not and it's acceptable because we have that prescription. But it's it's not true addiction. It's not like you want to. It's just that your body has become dependent on it. Yep. It, there's not that conscious yep. aspect of it. Um, 
where well, it's you're, you're seeking your next high, I guess. I know, I know with the like prednisone and some of the withdrawal symptoms from it, like uh-huh. when I would get the itchy skin and mm-hmm. it would be so like it would drive me crazy. And I was like, man, if if you know drug addicts are having these these withdrawal symptoms that are even close to this, and and they're on you know your hardcore drugs, I'm sure the symptoms are even worse. Like, right. I, you know, I kind of like I can't blame them. Yes, there's mm-hmm. the addictive aspect of it with right. some of the medication, but I'm on a prescribed drug, and yeah. the withdrawal symptoms are horrible. Yeah. And these these drugs that they're using recreationally are so much worse. I can't even mm-hmm. imagine what those withdrawal symptoms are like. Like that's yeah. that's got to be horrible. Okay, get this. So I, uh, um, so I went to my GP. He basically gaslighted me and said, "People come on and off of these drugs all the time. You have nothing to worry about." I'm like, "Oh, that's that. That does not help me." I was never told about this. What this could be? And he's like, "People don't get this all the time. You don't have anything to worry about." I'm like, "But." I did not plan for this. This is affecting how I drive. This is affecting how I live. <laughs> it's it's that lack of communication. Like, hey, yeah. by the way, long term, here's some extra side effects. And yeah. it's it's funny because I I did a episode about that, just you know, medications. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I've been telling people you have to like if you get prescribed something before you pick it up, get the name of it, go home and Google it. Exactly, because and that's what I tell people now. <laughs> I'm one of those people where I can think on, on like 90% of the medications I've been on, I've had one of yeah. the rare side effects, at yeah. least one of the rare side effects, if not more. Yeah. And it's like all the common side effects sound great. It's like, oh, you might get a little tired. You might have a headache. I'm like, oh, that's no big deal. I deal with that all the time. Uh-huh. And then it's like rare side effects. Oh, by the way, you might have hallucinations or something. It's like, yeah. that's the one I'm going to get. Yep. Like, like that's, that's me. Uh-huh. So no. I stress so much like, hey, before you pick up this $80 medication at the pharmacy, go look up the side effects because those alone might be like, hey, we need to talk about a different medication because those side effects sound way too nasty for me. And I go a step further. I say to somebody, if you're looking into a certain drug, check to see if there's a support group for getting off of it or for withdrawal side effects from it. Okay, that's... Get I've never the, thought about looking into that. That's interesting. Get, get the full perspective before you dive in. I wouldn't be surprised if there's one of those for prednisone. Man, it wouldn't surprise me either. It's it's such a commonly used drug for so many things. It too. is. It is. Yeah. Um, so I ended up getting talking to my allergist, and he was very more than happy to have me go to the ER and get like an EKG and different. Um, diagnostic tests to see if there isn't anything else going on because these side effects do mimic more severe conditions okay so I was if it's getting, something else that's causing it and not the medication oh yeah i was getting heart, heart palpitations and all that too that's fair that's yeah. fair but, um so what happened was i because my gp was so confident it was not an issue i went off the xanax cold turkey and um, I would tell somebody never, ever, 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 ever do that. Which is, it's really interesting because you were already kind of cold turkeying it for three I weeks. Was. And then you'd go I right was. back. So it's really, it's interesting that your body could tell like, hey, it's been three weeks. Why aren't we getting it again? Mm-hmm. That's because, Yeah, after, interesting. Um, 
yeah, after Christmas, when I was just really white knuckling it, I took the last of my Xanax, like the last, um, the last dose. And it almost immediately quelled those symptoms. And it's like that sealed it for me right there. It's like, it's that damn drug. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, so fast forward about six, seven weeks. Um, I was slowly improving. Um, I spent a lot of time in bed and driving my, my son to school at the time. Uh, actually, both kids by that point. Um, that was, I didn't realize how bad it would affect my ability to drive because I could find myself just tightening up behind the steering wheel and just, I, I started doing the slow breathing to just kind of make it through. When I got home, I would go back to bed. Um, okay. And it was, was it like a mentally, just mentally draining or was it the side effects were just, you're just like, it, nope, I'm just going to go sleep. It was both. It was both. It was a combination of everything. I, yeah, okay. because I, um, I would get like the, like muscle tightness. And um, later on, when I started tapering from the Cymbalta, um, I would also get a, a ton of muscle pain. Um, the way that I decided to taper from the Cymbalta, which I thought was rather conservative at the time, was my doctor was able to um, get me specific doses where the pills of Cymbalta come in uh, 60 milligram, 30 milligram, 20 milligram, and 10 milligram. Actually, no, not 10. Just 60, 30, and 20 milligram doses. And then you break the 20 and a half or something. What I what I did is I started out um, dropping by 10 milligrams per month. Mm -hmm. And then um, for the first four months, I did that. But by the third week in, after I had reduced from 60 to 50 milligrams, I started getting really panicky, worse physical side effects from starting that taper. And it's like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't, I was not clued into this. What is going on? And so I was Googling it, of course, and found a website on Facebook called um, Cymbalta Hurts Worse. So kind of like a play on the commercial <laughs> from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not depression. And that was just like one of the, just, just like a Facebook group that somebody started or group people started. Yes. Kind of yes. like all the groups that like found you in the yeah. business owners of chronic illnesses. And... Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, yeah, this chronic condition was why I joined the, you know, the entrepreneurs with chronic conditions anyway, because it's like I was in the thick of it, you know, trying to do my work when I could. <laughs> But anyway, um, so I found the Cymbalta Hurts Worse website and they really helped me out. I knew that I was not alone. And about 50% of the people who either try to taper or cold turkey off of it, they get severe withdrawal side effects. And it's just like, nope, there was no informed consent with that one. Um, at the time when I joined this group, there were slightly over a thousand people 
who were on the same path. Today, there are over 28,000 people in that group. And that's the people who have dealt with it. That's the people who've gotten annoyed with it enough to actually search. Yes. That's not the people that are just white knuckling it while they're dealing with it. No, it's uh, actually, you know, it's not the annoyance. There, these people, when they find it, a lot of them are panicked. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm dying. Yep. It's, it's bad enough where they're searching for it. Yeah, exactly. Because you got to think there's only a small amount of people that are searching for it out of all the people that are dealing with it. And you have to wonder what's the absolute number of people who have no clue. Yep. <clears throat> well, it's like, like I have colitis. I've had it for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just recently over the past couple of years joined a lot of the colitis and the, the chronic illness support groups. Ah. The first like eight years, I was just like, well, this sucks. Mm -hmm. I kind of got to deal with it. Now it's like, okay, I'm taking, you know, what I have and I'm trying to help people that are new to those groups, but it's yes. like, geez, if I would have had these groups when I started out, oh, I would have been much more efficient at being at having colitis. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, it's finding your people. Yep. <laughs> um, well, and, that's, and that's what I want to do is I kind of want to make a yeah. bigger group for just all of us that have a chronic illness. Cause we deal with 70, 80% of the same stuff regardless of what condition we're dealing with right and it's like getting that in information out there and you know that 20 percent is our specific disease or illness that we're dealing with mm -hmm. but no it's just the extra that we didn't expect yep um so continuing with the the cymbalta taper those first four months where i was subtracting 10 milligrams at a time it became too much for my body to take. And so I actually had to hold at 20 milligrams because I had a, a lot of family stress going on at the time where it's like, I needed to focus on that situation also. Yeah. And so I decided to take um, the summer off and just hold at 20 milligrams before my body could catch back up. Um, the Symbolto Hertzworth's website has um, spreadsheets for bead counting or actually weighing out the beads on your doses. And so that's really helpful. Okay. So kind of like a chart to keep track of, Hey, start yeah. with this, work your way down. Cause I know with certain yeah. medications, like you can jump down 10 at a time. Mm -hmm. um, but like prednisone, like when you're on a high dosage, I was upwards of like a hundred when I was in the hospital, Okay, they'll drop you down at like 10 milligrams at a time. Um, right. sometimes 20 because you know, hundreds super high, like that's really bad level to be on. Yeah. Um, but once you get down under like 20, I had to start tapering at five milligrams a week and it's, right. and it's weekly. Um, but you would take, cause they're 10 milligram tablets. So you would just crack one in half. They have like a little split in them. Yep. Um, but that was something you couldn't, once you got to 20, you couldn't do 10. You had to do another five a week. And then when you got under 10, it was like five every two weeks, I think. Now, do you do that with a compounding pharmacy at all, or? That would just be something like your, your doctor would tell you. Okay, cool. Your doctor would prescribe it a certain amount for the month, and that mm -hmm. certain amount would include, all right, you're going to be on 20 milligrams for three weeks, 10 milligrams for a week, and then taper off at like five a week. For right, week. right. <clears throat> um, yeah, like the instructions on the bottle were always super complicated because it'd be like, it wouldn't be on the bottle. It'd be a little printout that they would give you with the bottle in the bag yeah, because yeah. it'd be like, all right, your first two weeks, take this amount, second week, you know, third week, take this amount, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth week, take this amount tapering off. And then it would be on the instructions 
from well, for colitis, if you start to have a flare ups, you know, don't mm -hmm. taper down and talk to your doctor. Right. Mm -hmm. um, when I restarted my taper at 20 milligrams, um, that was in August of the following year. And, and it took from August until May of the following year. So it was about nine months or so mm -hmm. going from 20 milligrams to zero. I did basically this time around, I journaled my experience. I okay. had a chart where I would fill in how I was feeling in the morning and uh, afternoon and evening hours. And you know, what dose I had dropped um, and then charted what my symptoms were. And it, they ran the gamut. Um, most of them had to do with um, pain, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, um, chest tightness, brain fog, um, loose stool. That was actually a common, common thing. Um, that's that's yeah. a side effect on like every colitis based it medication. Is. It's like you, you know may cause diarrhea. And it's like I, this is the problem I'm trying to fix. Why is right, this, exactly. this a side effect? Yeah, but what, <clears throat> some of the more um, concerning new symptoms that I had were um, like uh, urinary tract infections, skin infections, like staph. Ooh, that doesn't sound I mean, fun. No, I had to treat several of those, uh, especially <clears throat> as time went on during the last half of um, the 20 milligram taper. Um, what was most concerning um, in terms of emotional, psychological well-being was loss of spirituality. Um, I'm Catholic uh, and um, during the first part of my taper, I could not stomach being at mass because of the sensory overload I would get. Um, and I felt like I would pass out a couple of times. Um, so I, uh, it was several years where I just felt like in a valley in terms of my faith journey. Um, I went from being a weekly attendant to I, I could go a good couple of years without attending. And it's like, I, you know, that just felt horrible, but it was a complete absence. And now, is that one of those things from just like being in kind of an antisocial mood and being in such a, a large group, not wanting to no. be around that or? No, it's just, it flew out the window is the best I could describe it. Um, it took me several years, even after I was done with the taper to even start going back to church at all. I mean, that was within... Um, I really started getting serious about it like a year before the pandemic started. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like it took a while. Uh, it did. <clears throat> and, you know, it just made me feel like less of a person that I wasn't able to get that back. But anyway, um, during the last part of my taper, um, as I reduced the amount of beads, I, it took me four months, like the final four months of my taper, to get off the last five milligrams. 
Now, is this a medication that you're supposed to taper off of? Like, do when you're talking to your doctor, if you are stopping this, is this something they recommend tapering, or is this something that you normally could just stop? They now recommend tapering because they do. Okay. And and unfortunately, <laughs> the tapering schedules that the doctors use, it is often the equivalent of cold turkey. Okay. Because I know, so, like, yeah. <clears throat> prednisone. Prednisone is a really nasty steroid to be on long term, especially yeah. at the higher dosages. So prednisone, like, as soon as you start it, you usually have a taper schedule. Like no. you're going to use it for a week or a month or however long the amount of time that I was on it was horrible for my body. And yep. you know, it, it, it strips the calcium from your body. So your bones get, you know, usually take a oh, hit from it long term. Okay. So that's why breaks are a concern. Okay. I get that now. Yep. <clears throat> so yeah. Yeah. Prednisone. If you're on it, like in total, I've been on it collectively for probably two years uh-huh. with my highest dosage being a hundred milligrams when I was in the hospital. That is horrible like so, absolutely horrible so, my bone density yeah. is horrendous i was getting so falls are a really big hazard for anyone yep. okay <clears throat> yep if you're on it long term because okay. i went to a bone doctor's call but i did a bone density test and they're like well yep if you were a female and 60 we'd say you have osteoporosis mm-hmm. but you're a male and you're 27 so you just have really bad bone density yeah so yeah, that's, yeah. and that's a common thing with prednisone. It, it strips the calcium from your bones. So your teeth are usually less healthy in general. Um, right. And you have to take, you know, supplements to help your bones over. Yep. And there's various things you can do to fix that, like weightlifting and supplements, but you have to be careful with it. Right. Yeah. No, I remember my grandmother was on it for a while and you know, she was elderly, but um, yeah, I remember she had to be careful about falls. Yep. Yeah. But it, it's really bad in general, let alone if you're, yeah. you know, a female and you already have bone issues and calcium yep. issues, it's, mm-hmm. it's like extra bad, which right. is why it has that tapering schedule already built into it. Like if you're going to take it for, it's a common, I think antibiotic, if you have certain infections, I believe I don't, I've only ever I used it for it. my, um, it helps with your lungs. I believe certain lung. Yes. That's what, yep asthma yeah, I believe um, yeah. and a couple other things I've only ever used it for my colitis but mm-hmm. I know it is a common thing to be prescribed for a lot of different things definitely um yeah long term so, it's really bad yeah um at the very end of my taper um it took me a month to get off that last final bead the last five La- last no the last bead the last bead for a month no. That's, that's how it that's how long it took and um when i finally jumped off okay just so you know i am a star wars nerd okay it was on may 4th oh boy <laughs> so, so i'm just thinking may the fourth be with you <laughs> oh. yeah um hey whatever gets you through it right exactly um i was oh. still kind of concerned about um, lingering kind withdrawal side stuff. effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially after I quit that last bead of Cymbalta. Um, if you're ever on an airplane and when it's just taking off, when the le- the wheels leave the ground, there's almost that uh, perceptible dip before the aerodynamics kick in yep. and you lift off. That's, that dip is what it felt like for those first few days because I was kind of on pins and needles it's like is it gonna happen is it not 
and it did not. Um, so I was just going onward and upward with feeling, gradually feeling back to my original self, but okay. in a good way, in a good way. Um, kind of relief. You're like, okay, I'm done with this. Yeah. I go back to feeling what, and, and I can deal with how I'm feeling, you know, other ways or. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, it wasn't a hundred percent easy as time went on, as I went, you know, got farther apart from that quit date. Mm -hmm. I, I gradually started improving. I had what would be called the windows and waves of withdrawal symptoms. Um, and those would periodically happen like once every couple of months. Um, the worst one I had was about a year and a half out when I did a cleanse and it kind of kicked up everything in my body. Mm -hmm. You did like a digestive cleanse? Uh, yeah, it was a apple cider vinegar cleanse. Okay. And I had the worst, one of the worst waves of withdrawal for about 10 days because it seemed like I was still in the thick of it. Back yeah, getting, the original taper. Yeah. getting the rest of it out of your digestive tract. Basically, yeah. Um, so that was not fun. Um, I figure right now I'm between 95 and 98% recovered from the experience. And this is several years out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just hit seven years, um, May 4th this year. So um, one thing, um, how I had mentioned the weight that I had gained on top of my baby weight, mm -hmm. um, that weight had gradually come off during the course of my taper. Okay. So you just weren't getting those cravings to eat that sugar as much. Exactly. Or... At the worst of it, before I started the taper, I was packing away a party-sized bag of M&Ms and six Diet Pepsis a day. Oh, God, that's... I just, yeah. I just cut out soda. So like with colitis, soda has been one of the things that I was really one of the last things I was hanging on to. Yeah. And I would do like three 16 ounce Dr. Peppers a day. Yep. And that is one, just the amount of sugar, even the diet ones are still so bad just in general. Yeah. It's and that's so hard yeah. to cut out. But it, you know, you reduce the amount of inflammation in your body, even with yep. the diet stuff. So it's, I mean, giving up the diet soda. That's what, um, I had ended up giving up soda for about five years, but it was during the taper that I did that. And that you know, was, you know, it was great. It was a snowball effect in itself. One thing that I've replaced soda with is, um, I don't know if you have Kroger in the area that you live in, but it's, it's a big mm -hmm. thing around me. Yeah. They have really good sparkling water. And I found once I got rid of the soda, I only crave the carbonation. Yes. It's not so much the soda. I mean, you know, Dr. Pepper is good and it's definitely my go-to soda. Right. But I crave the carbonation more than I crave all the sugar. Yeah. And I, it's I finding that myself. <laughs> I found a good, uh, Kroger's got a really good sparkling water compared uh -huh. to, some of them are just weird. Like they taste weird. But, you yeah. know, whenever I'm craving one, I just have a sparkling water and I'm good to go. Yep. It's it's such a weird, I didn't think I craved the, the carbonation, but it's all it really is. Yeah. Or get a soda stream and then just carbonate your water. Yep. So yeah. it's, it's like, you got, it's just trying other things. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it, um, it sounds hard, like ah, cutting out soda and like, just try something that re you find something that's healthy, that replaces it and you're good to go. No. And at the time, what, what was really cool is that when I started this journey, tapering off the Subalta, especially, um, one of my clients was actually, 
actually a peak performance speaker. Mm-hmm. And so he had a lot of health and nutrition guidelines that I ended up following. And that also helped with the weight loss too. It, it was just amazing with the timing of everything. And that was actually a bright spot. Um, so yeah, weight, at, weight loss is always a, well, at least, yeah. at least for some of the colitis medications, it's always a challenging one. Cause I know yeah. <clears throat> like my doctor, I go in every six weeks, I get my infusion done at my doctor's office and they always take mm-hmm. your weight because it's yeah. the dosage is based on your weight, your body weight. But if I'm being healthy, if I'm being active, if I'm cutting something out like soda, if there's any sort of a drop in my weight, like I'm normally around 170, right. if I drop like five or six pounds, my doctor would be like, hey, you feeling all right? Is your colitis <laughs> acting up? Because it's, it's one of those things, yeah. you know, normally when your colitis acts up, you're not absorbing as much nutrients. So you right. start to lose weight because your body's not absorbing what you're eating. Exactly. But it's that whole idea that like your doctor is perfectly fine if you're not losing weight or you're getting fatter. Right. But as soon as you start losing weight and trying to be healthy, your doctor's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I, I, I get that. And, and I get it because of the colitis, but it's, it's one of those things you kind of have to balance. Okay, well, these medications are designed to put weight on you and right. help your body absorb more. So it's like you got to balance out. Okay, well, my doctor thinks, you know, my doctor's saying this, but I got health goals this. Yes. I know for me, the, the medications, it just, it just goes on my stomach. Right. It, it goes on my stomach and it goes on my ass. That's mm-hmm. that's where it goes. Like my arms are perfectly fine. My legs right. are nice shape. Like that's, that's where it goes. And personally, you know, I'm exactly. working on losing a little bit of it and kind of transferring over to muscle. Right. But it is one of those problems where if your colitis <clears throat> does act up and you don't have any fat, fat on your body, it starts to chew away at your muscles too. So that's right. Yeah. Um, it's finding and- that right balance is a pain. Yeah, in time, I was able to um, start working out in the gym, mm-hmm. and m- more so specifically, not not cardio, but actually lifting weight. Okay, that really helped with any leftover anxiety and panic. It there are still some breakthrough occasions, but if I'm working out, then not nearly as much, and. Um, before the pandemic hit last year, I was really starting to stress out because I had a feeling something was coming. I just didn't know what, but, uh, so for a good couple of months, I was working out, I was feeling great. And then everything closed. It's like, Over oh yep. boy. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things, um, that I would, I would suggest looking into just in general, when it comes uh-huh. to working out, look at, um, resistance-based workouts. Yes. So I know it's something common. Um, one of the guys mm-hmm. I used to work with, he has Crohn's and he does resistance-based workouts because one, for those of us that have been on prednisone where our bones are really bad, it's not as bad for you because mm-hmm. the resistance is gradually going up versus just trying to pick up a static weight. Uh-huh. Um, and two, you can generally do workouts your entire body with a door, like a, yes. a doorway and a set of bands. Yeah. Is that is really also nice. this? Is that the same thing as plyometrics? Um, I'm not sure about oh, that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Not, I'm not, I do, I do basic fitness. I need to get into okay. it more and learn more about it, but okay. I do mostly cardio currently. Yeah. Um, and I'm personally working back towards swimming. 
just because swimming's a whole body workout. It is. Like I'm not, I'm not going for a six pack or muscle building. I just want to have a healthy body. Well, plus so. it's low impact. It's low impact on your exactly. bones too. Exactly. Yeah. Like I already have a lot of joint pain and issues just with yep. colitis and some of the medications. So it's mm -hmm. like, all right, I want to do low impact cardio that helps my whole body. Right. So, and that's where swimming comes in and I'm doing some stuff to get up to swimming, got to lose a little bit of stomach weight and, mm -hmm. you know, with COVID, some of the pools around here are clo still closed or yeah. still working their way back up to being open, but. Right. Yeah. But no, things, yeah. Things are opening up back here and, um, you know, I've been going back to the gym I, within the last couple of weeks, which is, I can already mentally feel the difference. Yeah, so, no, yeah. it's, it is one of those things like, you know, you get a good workout and you just feel better after it, after it. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I say it a lot is, and I tell people a lot, you know, for, especially with COVID mm -hmm. and, and now that COVID's kind of ending, start trying some new hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> Cause well, well, <clears throat> yeah. so I say it because like I've gotten into photography and I love photography. And right. I've only been doing it for about two years, but photography for me, when it comes to like mental health is just mm -hmm. like my ultimate, just relax and release. Is it more so you're going more places to get the shots? No, it's just, <clears throat> so I got into photography because I used to buy and sell like collectibles, like Pokemon okay. cards, the original yeah. Pokemon cards. Nice. And I got a nice camera because I wanted to be able to take pictures of these expensive cards and have good quality mm -hmm. pictures of it. Okay. Now, <clears throat> when I started, I was working on the beach and because I live like right near the beach. Okay. And on lunchtime, I'd be like, hey, let me take my camera out and just go play around with it. So I would go down, I'd take pictures of like seashells and flowers and okay. whatever. And I realized when I was walking around, when I'm in photography mode, like everything else is just shut off. Yeah everything else thought-wise is shut off. I'm yeah. looking at ev like every single flower I walk by because I do okay. a lot of nature photography. Okay. <clears throat> you just, you shut off the rest of the world and you're just focused on your surrounding. And <clears throat> over the past two years, like I don't, I haven't taken any photography classes. I've watched a couple of videos on like YouTube and stuff, but I've kind of figured it out for the most part myself. Um, I've started to the point where I always try to one-up my best photo. Oh, and funny enough, I would say my top five photos have always been on a really crappy day, like mm -hmm. overcast, it's been raining, it's cold out, it's nasty. And I find those days are kind of the days where you're, you're not motivated to do stuff or right. if you're dealing with depression, it kind of hits a little harder. Yeah. And I'll go out to the park and I'll find like a flower and yeah. I'll be taking pictures and go back to editing and I'll be like, wow, okay, this is my new best photo I've taken. Yes. Something different. So I guess for me, it's just kind of separating whatever's going on in the world and focusing 100% on that hobby. Yep. And then realizing it's like, okay, even on the crappiest of days, you can do something amazing. And yeah. my case is taking an amazing photo. It's, it serves as a bit of a meditation, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause that's, that's the idea. You know, when you're meditating, you're supposed to just shut everything else out yes. and you're just focused on meditating and photography is that meditation for me because mm -hmm. I am 100% zoned in on what I'm doing. Yep. I'm looking through the lens. I'm looking at my surroundings. I'm appreciating so many different things that I don't focus on on a normal day to day. Right. 
And um, yeah. that's why I say, you know, try new things, even if you try it a couple of times, because you, once you find that hobby or that thing that just puts you in a different mental state in a different mental realm, yeah. it's, it's makes such a difference. And it's for everybody. It's, it's usually like the weird, it's the most random thing you would never think you would enjoy. <laughs> like I've looked at photography in the pack. I, I worked at Best Buy for like eight years. So I was always right. around the photography stuff and I'm like, all right, that's, it's cool, but I don't see the purpose of it. Yeah. That was just my mindset. And once I got a camera, I'm like, oh my God, this is, I feel like this is an addiction now. Like, yeah. Cause you, it's, I guess it becomes an addiction because you're addicted to the piece that comes along with when right. I go out and just do photos. So yeah. Um, currently one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that I started gardening again. Okay. So, and so, so I had, I did that last year. I completely loved it. And I had never grown tomatoes before last year. <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> that, see, and it's, and it can be something that simple. Like it doesn't yes. have to be photography. It could be gardening. Yeah. It could be working on a car. It could be knitting. Mm -hmm. It could be painting. Like there's so many different things that you can do. And the nice thing is you can usually do it by yourself. Like you don't need yeah. a group to do it and you, you're, you're in your zone and you're just focused on what you're doing and it makes such a difference. And it's such right. a simple thing too. Yeah. So I just put another garden in a few weeks ago and everything's starting to grow and take off and I love it. <laughs> yeah. My mom does a lot of gardening. She's been doing strawberries this year. So she's got a lot of her own little homegrown strawberries and they're, we, they're really yeah. good. We, we bought about six strawberry plants and we're trying those out this year. I don't know if we're going to get much of anything, but hey, go be back next year. Yep. Yeah. She's been playing around with the different types of strawberry plants and everything. And I'm just like, all right. Yeah. But it, it's <clears throat> funny how you uh, mentioned things that don't require groups. Once it's safe to do it again. Um, one of the other hobbies I, I do have is cosplay. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to go back to uh, Gen Con. That's the main convention that my family goes to. Uh, but, and that's over in Indianapolis. Okay. But yeah, we get a couple like, of small ones here. Yeah. We got one that's in Virginia Beach, and then there's usually one in, I think, Newport News or Hampton. Yeah. But I don't know if they're happening this year yet or not. Yeah. No, it's like a lot of them have um, limited attendance versus online attendance options. But, <clears> um, yeah. Which you know, I, I think is kind I, of a against the whole point of cosplay, of doing it online. Like, it kind of defeats the purpose. It, it is, but it's just like, I don't think I'm going to do that this year, but next year I'll be back. <laughs> no, because that was like the first year I did, I started photography. I went to a couple of them and doing, was doing like a bunch of photography with people that went there and I yeah. wanted to go last year, but COVID and mm -hmm. if they do it this year, I'm probably going to go because I think it's super, super cool. It's just love... fun. And the environment is so, there's just a sense of you're with 60,000 of your next best friends almost. Yep. <laughs> So you're 60,000 other nerdy people just like you that yes <laughs> kind of have that same mindset like I'm, oh I'm, a big, gosh, yes. I'm a big gamer so I get that there you go I'm all about magic Pokemon cards you name it so oh dude you would get along great with my husband <laughs> oh, I, I love like that that was another thing like Friday night magic not being yes. able to go to Friday night magic oh during, gosh, during yeah. COVID yeah so yeah, but it's it's small, simple thing. Going to Friday Night Magic, going and doing mm -hmm. photography, cause but you don't have to do like crazy things to to make yourself feel like a part of something. Right. It can be something as simple as Friday Night Magic. Yeah, go hang out with some people. 
Oh yeah. Some nights oh. it might be frustrating when you play against the person that's got like the twelve hundred dollar deck. But, exactly. You know. Yeah. It's still fun. It is. <laughs> and then it's you know you might play against that person with twelve hundred dollar deck and you somehow win with like a sixty dollar deck and you just yes. feel great. You're like yes. 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 And you, and you spend all day mixing your cards, trying to build your own deck and everything yep. too. So. It's, yeah. it's another one of those things that gets you in that moment. You're focused on what you're doing and you're enjoying it. Right. So, yeah, you don't, that's the thing. I think, I think, you know, the United States pushes so much focus on if you're not feeling right, take a drug for it, mm-hmm. pay a bunch of money, go take this drug and you'll feel better. Right. Like try putting that money into something you enjoy. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's just a simple mindfulness um trying to be present in the moment um the simple things it doesn't you don't have to complicate it oh no no you really don't and i know i know i use photography as an example and photography can be a if if you get a full photography camera kit it can be expensive to get into but you know everybody's got a phone and they make little like 40 dollar phone kits that take the lens on your phone Yes. and can turn it into a macro lens so you can do up close stuff yes. and you can kind of play around with it you can play around with it you can try things out <clears throat> the nice thing is i think adobe especially if you're a student like adobe has student versions mm-hmm. that you can pay it's only like 20 dollars a month and you get the entire adobe suite so yes. you can do like lightroom you can do editing <clears throat> like it's not expensive to try these things try it out right. for a month and do it and then if it's something you decide, hey, look, you know, this is something I'm, I'm really enjoying, then you can kind of focus on maybe putting a little more money into it. Definitely. Or I know in my area, we have a bunch of photography groups on Facebook because it's a little bit bigger of an area. Right. But I'm in the groups. If I see somebody that's joining the group that's like, hey, I'm trying to get into photography. Can someone help me out? Like, right. I have no problem taking someone for the day and be like, hey, let's go take some photos. I'll show you how to use a camera and figure out if this is something you like. Yeah. So, you know, reach out to people, if, you know, people that do something you want to try out, ask them, be like, hey, can I come along with you? Can I try something out and kind of see what it's like? And you might find something that helps a lot. Definitely. Yeah. So. Um, no, but I would say overall, I, if I look back at my experience of uh, being on Cymbalta and Xanax, um, if I had to do it over again, obviously I would look at, I kind of grab myself by the shoulders and say, this is not going to be a shortcut. You need to get back to the basics. Please save yourself the misery. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> um, but I don't get down on myself for making that choice because at the time I was using my knowledge base, what I thought worked, what I had heard had worked and so it's just you know it is what it is but it's a lesson learned well the way i look at it like you know over the 10 years i've had colitis i've made some bad decisions i mean i got it when i was 17 not every 17 year old in the world is making the best decisions for themselves right um and as much as it sucked as much as some of my decisions cause you know physical pain emotional pain with Mm -hmm. the disease Right. I learned from it. Yes. I learned from it. And if I made those mistakes, I learned from it. I grow, you know, grew from it. And now the way I'm looking at it is my failures. I'm going to try to teach other people so they don't make the same mistakes. 
exactly learn from how i fucked up Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you don't have to so you know okay you're still going to probably deal with some pain because you're going through stuff but if i can help lessen that pain a little bit or that agony or that you know stress and kind of push you in maybe the right direction that works for you Mm -hmm. or if picking up a hobby saves you from having to go on antidepressants which might you know kill your sex drive and kill your relationship oh yeah I, I see that a lot in right. the colitis group because um, some of the medications, especially prednisone, can cause some depression. Yep. And it's one of the most common side effects of antidepressants is. is loss of sex drive. Yeah. Which if you're in a relationship can affect the relationship and <clears throat> yep. now cause depression for another reason. Uh, my husband is a saint. I will tell you that. <laughs> yep. So. <laughs> because I, I completely lost it you know, being on that stuff, but it came back after I was off of it. So it's, it's like yeah. the, the most common side effect of most antidepressants yeah. and your doctors don't tell you about it beforehand. No. So you feel great mm-hmm. unless you're in a relationship, then the other person feels like crap. So, yeah. <clears throat> no. So yeah, no, it's unfortunately the way I look at it and I say it a lot, you know, pain and suffering gives us perspective. Yes. And that perspective gives us a purpose. That is true. So, you know, I think a lot of people that do the education side of this, if they didn't deal with some shit Mm -hmm. and deal with some pain, they wouldn't be on the education side helping the other people. Agreed. So as much as it sucks, it was, it's a, it's a good lesson to help teach others with. Definitely. I mean, to just to share that information, you're bettering society. That's, I believe so. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. And yeah. I'm trying to pull us, pull all of us together, pull all the chronic community together as one. Cause I know there's a lot of sub communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Crohn's colitis has it, diabetes has it, every condition has their own sub community. Yes. But I think what I'm trying to do with this, you know, podcast and brand in general is pull all the communities together. Mm-hmm. So we have one big chronic community so we can actually do something. Right. Like when it comes to Crohn's and colitis, we get lumped into irritable bowel disease yes. under the CDC mm-hmm. and irritable bowel disease in the United States as of 2015 has about 3 million adults. So if I had 100% of the people that have Crohn's and colitis focused yep. on a cause, we only have 3 million people. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now in the United States, it's like, I think the CDC is like 48.9% of the U.S. is dealing with some sort of major health condition, chronic illness, or disability. Yes. With what, 340 million people? Mm-hmm. If you had half of those people focused on a cause, do you know what we could do? You could change the world. It's, that's so much power behind. And, and the reason I want to focus on it is, unfortunately, you know, the government controls a lot of our health decisions mm-hmm. when it comes right. to health care. Right. And I know it hasn't been an issue recently, but there will be a time when they start focusing on certain groups and pulling away our support. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can pull together as a big group, we'll have a little more power behind, like, hey, diabetes needs some help. Let's go help them out. Or, hey, yes. you know, people with PTSD, they're under attack right now. Let's, let's get everybody as a group and go help them out. Right. So I think, I think there's use of, of having our individual groups for our individual advice. But I think we need to need to pull together as a giant group so we can deal with health issues as a whole. Agreed. So yeah. piece by piece, we'll get there. Yes. All right. All right. Do you well, have do you have any other questions for me? 
Um, no, I think everything was explained pretty well. Okay. I definitely appreciate you sharing your experiences and kind of helping with that educational aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on here. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys and I'll see you in the next one.